0: Let's take our Bibles tonight, though, to go to the book of Nehemiah, please. We're in Nehemiah, and we've been looking verse by verse through the Word of God together. And we are in chapter 9, and it's a wonderful chapter that we've seen that has enumerated all the things that God has done for the children of Israel, the God of the Red Sea, and what He's done. And... uh, You can see the contrast what we're going to make tonight and the gear that gets shift here in the middle of this text by a little conjunction. There's a word that has occurred from verse number 7 all the way down to verse number 15 that talks about all that God has done. And that conjunction is a little word, and. It just goes over and over about God did this, and God did that, and God did that, and, and. Well, you can just see that. Look at verse 7. Thou art the Lord, the God, who didst choose Abraham, and broughtest him forth of Ur of the Chaldees, and gavest him the name of Abraham, and foundest his heart faithful for thee, and madest a covenant with him. In the verse, and hast performed thy words, for thou art righteous, verse 9, and didst see the affliction of our fathers in Egypt, and... Heardest their cry by the Red Sea, verse 10, and showed us signs and wonders in the Pharaoh, verse 11, and thou didst divide the sea before the middle of the verse, verse 11, and their persecutors thou threwest into the deeps, verse number 12, moreover thou lettest them in the day by a cloudy pillar and in the night by a pillar of fire, verse 13, thou camest down also upon Mount Sinai and spakest with them. From heaven and gavest them right judgments, verse fourteen, and madest known unto them thy holy Sabbath, first number fifteen, and gavest them bread from heaven for their hunger, and brought us forth water for them out of the rock for their first thirst, and promised them that they should go in to possess the land which thou had sworn to give them but Isn't that sad? God did this and God did that. and God did that and, and, and. But. But they and our fathers dealt proudly and hardened their necks and hearkened not to thy commandments and refused to obey. Neither were mindful of thy wonders that thou didst among them, but hardened their necks. And in their rebellion, appointed a captain to return to their bondage. So tonight, our text is talking to us about the rebellion of the people of God. In their rebellion, God did all these things, but they were rebellious. I believe that God's people are the best people in the world. I believe that. I know that from the Bible. But the problem is, I wish I could say that salvation has taken care of our rebellion. But just because we're God's people does not mean that we're not rebels sometimes. And so we're going to talk about rebellion, not not in the world, not in lost people. But rebellion of the people of God. Have you ever heard anyone say I have a good life but have you ever heard anybody say you know I've I've got a good family but or I've got a good job but I've got a good church but it seems to be that that's what's going on here the people of God have a have good God, but there's this this but that comes up in their life, and it, it's rebellion. It's rebellion in their rebellion. And there's a theme all these things actually, there's six things he says here about the rebellion of the people of God that we need to try and make sure that we bring to the altar, that we confess on a regular basis, that we make sure that we guard our lives against so we're not like them and we do not follow the same path that these people of God fell fell upon and and followed. These six things, the first one he says in verse number 16, but they and our fathers dealt proudly. And And I would say this, all rebellion comes from pride. The reason that a child rebels against its parents is because it's proud. Rebellion... The source of rebellion is always pride, whether it's in a small child or in a teenager. It's, there's a proud streak on the inside of, of all of us. And, and if all of us would be very, very honest with ourselves, there, there's not a person in here that, that does not have a problem with pride. You, you're, you're infected with it. You really are. And if you don't understand that, you're just deceived. Pride is something that is interwoven in that nature that we have. And that is the first item on the list that leads us to rebellion against God. It's just our pride. We think we know better or we want better. This is my life. I'm right. I don't want to do this. Pride. Pride. And all of this this is our fathers dealt proudly, and it, it was all toward God. It was all toward God. Their pride was, was toward God. and our pride is the same way, it's against God. And it doesn't matter if it, it's the pastor, if it, it doesn't matter if, if who it is in the pew. we all have a problem with this and need to confess. I, I confess my pride this morning. And I think you ought to do that daily. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. Before fall. And pride in our lives, and, and most of the time we, we don't recognize it. You, you can see pride in a, in a multitude of ways. You can see pride in somebody's countenance. A proud look, the Bible says. People just look proud. You know, they just have a look about them. You know, nobody's going to tell me what, what to do, and I want my way, always rebelling against the system because, because who I am. And I deserve something better. Pride. Prides seen all, it's seen in people not getting saved. People don't get saved because they're too proud to humble themselves. They don't want to be look, they don't want to look bad in a crowd. They, they don't want to go to the altar and get saved. Or And I know people, they don't have to go to altar and get saved, but I know this, there's been a lot of people that have walked through the doors of this church that have sat in the pew you're sitting in and they needed to be saved and they could have gotten saved, but they were too proud to admit they needed to be saved and they were too proud to step out and say, help me and show me how to be saved and their pride kept them where they were. But before we get on that, How many things has God spoken to you about and you didn't move? You didn't move. And you knew you were wrong and you knew God was speaking to your heart. i preachers just trying to get everybody down the aisle. No, no, I'm trying. I want everybody to get right with God. You can get right with God in your seat. Matter of fact, I think if we really humbled ourselves when God spoke to us, some of us would probably just lay on the floor. Right where we were. But a lot of times we don't do it because pride, people don't get right with each other because they're too proud. And so pride is the source of rebellion. He said our fathers dealt proudly. The reason that they did not get into the promised land, it started with their pride. You say, preacher, how can I I notice this coming up in my heart? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'll tell you a couple ways. You're always self-absorbed. Self-absorbed with your own self and your own things in your own life. That, that shows that there's pride there because you are the most important thing to you. Don't get quiet on me. I got a lot of preaching left to do tonight. I preached this morning on love. Amen. Well, tonight we're preaching on rebellion. The Bible covers it all. Self-absorbed people are in love with their Everything's about them. I'm not saying that you're a drunk. I'm not saying that you do dope. I'm not saying that you cuss everybody out. Just you You being so absorbed with you shows that you're proud and it's going to lead somewhere in your life where you're not going to do what God wants you to do. Because you're so interested in what you want in your life. They dealt proudly. That was the source of their rebellion before they ever wanted to go back to Egypt. Before God had to open up the earth and start swallowing some of them in the, into the pit, they they were just proud. They're self absorbed. That, that's why I like to, and I have to be careful because then some people get upset and they think, well, why isn't he talking about me? I try to. I love to use examples in the church where somebody does something just for somebody else that they don't have a dog in a race about it, and they're just trying to be a blessing to other people because it, sh- it, it helps me not be so self-absorbed. I, I appreciate the people that took time out of their day yesterday. Guys, every one of us could have been so absorbed in what we're doing. I know there were some people that couldn't be here. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying, if every day of your life the decisions of your life are based on what's best for you. You're a proud person. <laughs> and and I have to deal with it myself too. I'm not I'm not I'm telling us we're all got a problem there. And we're all subject to rebel against God, and the first step down that pathway is that we start living our lives proudly. We deal pridely with it. We have pride. Most of the decisions I've made in my life has not been what's best for me. It's been what's best for the people that I'm supposed to minister to. And and I just, I'm I'm not going to be foolish about it. But why does everything have to be about you? Why aren't you just as interested, amen, in the new family that came to church than you are about your best friend family in the church? Why are we so infatuated with our own kids? But we don't, we don't pray or give a flip about somebody else's kids. It's being self-absorbed. It's what's best for me. That's a proud individual. Making every decision based upon my life. The next thing I would say about people that deal proudly, they're people that have a know-it-all attitude. That's just their attitude. Anybody know what I'm saying? They just know everything about everything all the time. I would rather spend time with an imbecile. (laughs) Honestly, I'd rather spend time with somebody that was out of their mind, idiotic, has no clue about anything in life. You know, they're on the low end of the gene pool. They have nothing profitable to say. I'd rather spend time with an individual than somebody that's so proud that thinks they have everything figured out about everything. That's pride. You don't have everything figured out. And the thing about life is, if you live long enough, you'll come to that realization unless you're a fool. Know it all attitude. Well, I wouldn't do it that way. Well, nobody asked you. Well, if I was, well, you're not. Can we admit there's a problem with pride? Can we admit that? I don't have any personal illustrations to give, but I, I bet we could get 15 different opinions about what's wrong with our nursery. My wife keeps it from me because I'll get upset about it, I'll preach on it. Well, I just think nobody cares. We're not interested. Why is your opinion so important? Because you're you're so proud. Write a book on the perfect nursery and see how many people will buy it. Or the perfect family. Or the perfect marriage. Or the perfect teenager. Or the perfect church. Nobody would buy your book. Well, I just, I don't think that's being done right. That is the first step to rebellion. They dealt proudly. I've watched this all my ministry. Proud people. They're God's people. They're God's people. But they hadn't humbled themselves in so long before God or anybody else. Well, that's just the first one. Let's look at the second one. Verse 16, But they and our fathers dealt proudly and hardened their necks Harden their necks. I'm not listening to Mom and Daddy. I'm not listening to that youth pastor. I'm not going to listen to the pastor. I'm not going to listen to my boss. I'm not going to listen to anybody. Harden their necks. Do you know that that is the second step to the path that rebellion takes you on? It's a hardening of your neck. That book says you harden your neck, you're going to be suddenly destroyed, and that without remedy. Right. You know what God? You know what the opposite of hardening your neck is? Having a tender heart. Yeah. Oh, isn't it a joy when you see somebody with a tender heart, man. and they're sensitive to God, and they're sensitive to the Spirit of God, and they're sensitive to other people's needs? But hard-hearted, hard, stiff neck. That they harden their necks. That occurs over and over. That phrase, and again, about the children of Israel. They constantly, not just one time, it's even in our text more than once. You see that in verse uh, 16. And harden their necks. Look at verse 17, the middle of the verse. But harden their necks. It's something that is a constant problem in their life. Their refusal to admit they're wrong, even if they know they're wrong. Their refusal to repent they have no tender heart. Now, listen to this, church. Pharaoh's heart was hardened, but Israel's neck was hardened. And they wouldn't be led. The Bible calls them stiff necked. And, matter of fact, when uh, in Acts chapter 7, in that great sermon that was given, uh, before it led to his death, when Stephen was preaching to all those Jews there. And you know what he said to them? He said, ye stiff-necked. You're just not going to listen. You're just not going to have a tender heart what God's trying to do in your life. That's the path of rebellion. That's where it heads to. Like a, Like a donkey, you know. I was going to say something else, but You know, you pull on that donkey's neck. He's not going anywhere. And God's trying to lead us. And so many times we stiffen our necks. We refuse to move and we refuse to have a tender heart. That's the step of rebellion. Then he says in verse number 16, not only one, they dealt proudly. Not only two, they hardened their necks. But three, and they hearken not to thy commandments. The third step to this rebellion is that they're just not listening. You know, when, when we just fail to listen, we, we just don't want, when people don't want to listen, you can always tell when parents, can't you tell when your, your child or your teenager is not listening to you? Can I tell you what that is? It's rebellion. That's all it is. Just like when people won't listen to preaching. It's rebellion. Just like when people don't want to listen when somebody wants to help them or correct their life. It's, it's rebellion. I don't want to hear what you have to say. Pride, stiffened neck, will not hearken, will not listen. Well, it moves from there to number four. He says, verse 17, and refused to obey. You know, that's not the same thing as not listening. You know, I have met some people that listened, but then didn't do a a, a thing about what was told to them. It's one thing not to even want to listen. It's another thing to listen and then refuse to obey. I'm just not going to do what I'm told. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do what my mom and dad tell me what to do. Children say. The wife says, I'm not going to do what my husband tells me to do. The husband says, I'm not going to do what my employer tells me to do. I, or or God forbid, I'm not going to do what the, the, the preacher or 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 what God tells me to do. That there is a breakdown everywhere with obedience. And all of us can give an excuse for why we don't have to obey. But what I'm telling you, it says refuse to obey. God over and over, it, it, He exalts that obedient attitude. And you know what the children of Israel had said in, in Exodus chapter 20 verse 24 verse 7? They said, Hey Moses, tell God whatever He says, we'll obey it. But they lied. I wonder, are you refusing to obey something that God's told you to do in your life? If you are, you're a rebel. You're a rebel. It doesn't matter if you're saved or not. You're a rebel. You know, the world's tried to glorify rebels, you know, that rebellious attitude. and you know. Rebellion is just a sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is idolatry. They would not obey. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. Nobody's going to tell me what to do with my kids. Nobody's going to tell me what to do with my life. Yeah, not even God. Because you refuse to obey. Well, then he says, aren't we having a good time? Bert number five. I don't, I don't want to go down this path. And I'm telling you, every one of us, every person in here is, is just a few decisions away from a casualty of a rebellious life against God. And this is the pattern. Refuse to obey. Verse 17, number the fifth thing. Neither were mindful of thy wonders that thou didst among them. The fifth thing, the fifth path to rebellion is that they're no longer thinking about God. They're not mindful of God. They're not living a God-centered life. They're not being thankful to God. That's why they're complaining. Guys, they're complaining about everything and God's raining food down. They're not mindful of what God is doing for them. They forgot about how he got them out of Egypt. They forgot about how he rolled the Red Sea away and they walked on. They forgot about how he destroyed their enemies. They're not mindful of the wonders that God has done for their life. And I'm telling you, one of the key points of a rebel is he just doesn't or she just doesn't see that God has been very good in their lives. And that promotes that rabbit. What's God ever done for me? How about letting you breathe? My dear friend, Brother Sears, he, he's paralyzed. He's, he's a better man than most people in this room. What's God done for you? He lets you walk. He's allowed you to walk. He lets you see. You're not rotting in a jail in North Korea or China because you are a believer in Jesus Christ. You got food. You got clothes. You got people that love you and pray for you. But here's what a rebel, a rebel doesn't ever think about that. A rebel never thinks about the goodness of God. God's not in his thoughts. He's not he's not thinking about. He's not grateful for any of that. And I'm telling you when when God is far off in our thoughts and when we can when we can go through a day without thinking about the goodness of God and praising him and being grateful for how blessed he, we have been from him when we go through the day. We're heading toward rebellion. That's what he says right there. Neither were mindful of thy wonders that thou didst among them. But harden their necks. Okay, number six. It culminates in their rebellion. Verse 17. And in their rebellion. Verse 17. In their rebellion. Appointed a captain. To return to their bondage. That is the most ludicrous thing I've ever read in the Bible. One of them. Now that is not the matter of Korah. Okay. Okay. We know the story of Korah, right? Where they rebelled against Moses and all that. That's not this. And Aaron, that's not this. This is Numbers chapter 14 and verse 4. And this is right after the spies came in and said we couldn't go into the land. And Joshua and Caleb said, we can go into the land. And the people of God says, no, this is too hard. And the Bible says, they said, let us make us a captain and return to Egypt. Because we're not going to follow this Yahoo anymore. Rebellion culminates in the fact you're not going to follow God's appointed leadership anymore. You, you, you're going to chart your own path. You know how ludicrous that is that they, appoint, they appointed a captain to return to their bondage? Okay. First of all, I don't think they knew how to get back. I mean, they're in a wilderness. Okay, so you're going to get you a captain. All right, captain, where are we headed? You know, the only reason they knew where to go is because God's putting that pillar of cloud in the, in the sky and, and the pillar of fire out there to show them where to go. They don't know where to go. So what if they leave God? There's no, there's, no cloudy, there's no no cloud to lead them. There's no pillar of fire to show them where to go. You think that guy's going to know where to go? How stupid. Just like rebellious people. I watch rebellious people. They, they, they think they know where they're going, yep. and they're falling. They're going straight for the ditch, right. yep. and the cliff is right there. And they're just smiling and headed right for the cliff. Right. I appoint us a captain to take us back to Egypt. I'd say this: Where are you going to get your groceries? Yeah, you're going to appoint. Yeah. You're going to appoint you a captain, and you're going to go back to Egypt. How are, how are you going to feed all the people that you're going to take back to Egypt? One writer said this. To appoint themselves a captain to return to Egypt is downright madness. They're out of, they're out of their mind. The only way they're alive is because God's feeding them every day. Free. There are no stores on the way back. That, that is the path of the rebel. There's no provision. There's no help. Isn't that what the prodigal found in his rebellion? There's nothing to eat out there. Well, I'll get me a job and I'll do this. You're a fool. God has to take care of us. We can't take care of ourselves. We have to depend on God. Appoint us a captain to take us back to Egypt. Now, this is the great thing. <laughs> Think about it. Think how insane people are. Appoint us a captain. Let's go back to Egypt. Go back to Egypt. What do you think they're going to think about you when you get back there? You've done stole all their stuff. Y'all do know how they left Egypt, right? They stole them blind. Oh, I'm sure you get back to Egypt and they say, Oh, it's good to see you, children of Israel. That's the craziest thing i ever heard of. After you are responsible for killing their king and all their soldiers, oh sure, they're going to say, yeah, come on back to Egypt. That's the dumbest thing you ever heard of. Like some Christians rebelling in their Christian life. You know the happiest time in your life was when you, was in, you were in the will of God. You know the most saddest time in your life, satisfied time in your heart and your soul, is when you're right with God. You know that. You know that. You're going to take a path away from God. You're going to be more miserable and more miserable. And you're not going to, nobody's going to be the welcome greeter at the door for you, brother. The path of rebellion against God's leadership. I'm glad I don't, I, I don't have, we don't have any of them. The only problems I've known, I'll be six years pastor here in December. The only problems that we've, I've really seen in six years, is people having problems with each other. And most of, all of them are gone. Okay, <laughs> but really, now my prior ministry—that was not the case. <laughs> they had a problem with me, but that's not been the case here. My brother must have done a, a great job, or God's just been merciful, or maybe I'm old. <laughs> I don't know. I've not had that problem. But you know how most people have had—they've they had problems about leadership. They complain about whoever's in charge. It doesn't matter if it's the church. It's just wherever it is. That it's, a rebel is just never happy with who's on top or who's leading things. They're just not happy with that. Not that they could do a better job. Well, I just think, the, you know, now if a leader is immoral, he needs to be kicked out. Let, let's get that straight right now, all right? Immoral leadership is not to be followed. No, sir. I don't care who it is. And a doctrinally impure leader is not to be followed. But that's not normally what people have problems with their leadership. Whether church or home or government. It's not that. It's other things. I don't like who they put in a Sunday school class. That usually means they should have put me there. You didn't have to get so mad about that, Brother Ruth. <laughs> or it's like this I don't like how the money got spent. You know, Jesus thought so much about money, he gave it to the thief. I bet they'd have voted him out. I bet they'd have voted Jesus Christ out of the. You gave it to the thief, and furthermore, you knew you were doing that. Which is true. That just shows you he don't think like you do. He's got bigger things. But a rebel, always questioning that leader. But they dealt proudly. But they hardened their necks. But they hearkened not to thy commandments. But they refused to obey. But they were, they neither were mindful of thy wonders, but in their rebellion they appointed a captain to return to their bondage. But look at the verse 17 again. And refused to obey, neither were mindful of thy wonders that thou didst among them, but hardened their necks. And in their rebellion appointed a captain to return to their bondage. But, <laughs> but thou. Are to God, ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and forsookest them not. You know, I don't think there's any coincidences in the Bible. God says, but you did six things. And right after he says, but God did six things. The same number. You know what? God's butt trumps your butt. How about that? God's butt is bigger. Though they are a mess. Thou art a God ready to pardon. And Nehemiah here with this remnant sitting there and said, God, I know we're a mess, but I'm looking back there of all, all the things they did, and you were ready to pardon Though they dealt proudly, you were ready to pardon. Though they hardened their necks, you were gracious. Though they hearkened not to to thy commandments, you were merciful. Though they refused to obey, you were slow to anger. Though they were not mindful of thy wonders... You were of great kindness. And though in their rebellion they appointed a captain to return to their bondage, you forsookest them not. Oh, what a God we have. You know what that means? There's hope for rebels. There's hope for rebels. As a matter of fact, look at verse 18. Yea, when they had made them a molten calf and said, This is thy God that brought thee up out of Egypt and had wrought great provocations. Guys, They made a calf and said, this is God. How do you think that made God feel? You know what they just called God? They just called God a cow. Isn't that a little bit blasphemous? It's not like they made a new God. They said, this is the God that brought us out of Egypt. They just called the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob a cow. How mad would that make you if you were Almighty God? Now, he was mad enough to kill the whole lot. And he even said that to Moses, I'm going to kill them all. And Moses just prayed and said, God, please don't do that. And he said, okay. You know why? He's ready to pardon He's sitting on ready. You know, whatever your sin is, whatever your rebellion is, God right here tonight is sitting here and He's ready to to forgive you and to cleanse you and to pardon you and, and and take away your iniquity. He's ready to do that. Man, we're not like that, but He is. Verse 19, yet thou and thy manifold mercies forsookest them not, not in the wilderness. The pillar of the cloud departed not from them by day to lead them in the way, neither the pillar of fire by night to show them light and the way wherein they should go. Even when they said, we're going to make us another captain, we're going to go back, God says, I'm not going to take the cloud away. What a God. When they said, we don't like your leader. We're going to make another leader. And we're going to go back to Egypt. We don't appreciate anything you do. God didn't take away the pillar of fire. God didn't stop the manna. And he didn't stop the water. He forsook us them not. Even when they were trying to forsake him. What a wonderful God. That is ready to pardon. He's gracious. He's a giver of undeserved blessings. He is merciful He is the restrainer of deserved judgment. He is slow to anger, though he can get angry, though he does get mad. But it takes a lot to get God mad. And I say, thank you, Lord, that you're slow to anger. He's of great kindness. How kind has God been to your rebellious hide? How kind has he been to you? Though all those things are true, can't listen to nobody, wants your own way, self-absorbed, proud, won't listen, and God just keeps being kind. The answer for the rebel is God. When that rebellious young man came back home. He found a kind father waiting on him. A kind father. You know, I want to be a straight father, but I want to be a kind father. I don't think I got enough amens on that. Be ye kind. God's a kind God. Of of great kindness. Forsookest them not. Are you a rebel? Or how much rebellion do you have in you? Just know that God is bigger than your rebellion. And instead of rebelling against him, why don't you just go his way?